Welcome to episode 249 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. Today, we are exploring the world of marketing technology and our guest is, you know, I call him Mr. Martech because he is the guy more than anybody else who popularized that term and whose research has done so much to extend our thinking about marketing technology. I want to thank Livestream for their massive support of CXO Talk. And if you go to livestream.com slash CXO Talk, they will give you a discount on one of their plans. So do that. We have a tweet chat that is going on right now using the hashtag CXO Talk. And you can join in and you can ask Scott Brinker, Mr. Martech, your questions and share your comments and share your thoughts. And so without further ado, Scott Brinker, how are you doing? I'm good, Michael. Thanks for having me. Scott, you are, you, I was going to say you're like this superhuman, godlike creature. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been called a, a super exaggeration there. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been called a superhuman godlike creature, but you've you created this thing called the marketing technology landscape, which if you just search on marketing technology, you'll see it. Um, tell us about tell us about uh, that and what do you do? Sure. Yeah. So uh, that crazy graphic that shows, well, at the moment, about 5,000 marketing technology companies, it had really humble beginnings. Uh, so for many years here on my blog, chiefmartech.com, I've been advocating how marketing organizations need to include more technical talent within their team. That's just the nature of marketing is it's become a technology-powered discipline. And so back in 2011, I put together that first slide just to show marketers all of the different kinds of tools, technologies that they were becoming dependent on. And so at the time, I found something like 150 different marketing technology tools. And yeah, I mean, it had the exact effect I was hoping it was. I was like, oh my goodness, 150 marketing technology tools. How will we ever keep track of them all? And then it became a bit of an annual exercise to say, okay, well, for 2012, how many are there? And oh my goodness, it's like 350. And a couple years later, it went up to 1,000 and then 2,000. And yeah, now here for 2017, we're looking at like nearly 5,000. So yeah, kind of a wild industry out there. Okay, so you're researching five now 5,000 companies. Something I've always wondered, and now now we're going to get the chance to have it revealed, if you'll reveal it to us. How how do you do that? How do you research so many companies? And you're running a conference also, and you run a company. So how do you, how is it possible? Yeah, well, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think research is too high of a uh, verb to attribute to what I do. You know, so the idea of that landscape is in no way to analyze these 5,000 different firms. I'm not in the business of trying to pick the winners or rank them relative to each other. That is a very lightweight look across the entire landscape, mainly just to give people a sense of the scope of all the different companies that 
or at least out there, putting themselves out on the internet as saying, hey, we have a marketing technology solution that we'd like to offer folks. So it's still, I mean, that alone, even doing that lightweight has become a very large venture. It's usually uh, done over a series of months. Uh, this past year, I had uh, Anand Thacker uh, actually help me with a bunch of the research on that as well, too. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's a lot more than it was when it was 150. And we have a comment from Twitter, uh, Shelly Lucas, whose Twitter handle is, I guess, we, I don't know if Twitter handle handle is the right term, is uh, at Pisa Rose, P-I-S-A-R-O-S-E, says she likes my nomenclature for you being a superhuman, godlike creature. And I want to let everybody know that I'm not sure what Shelly is doing these days, but at Pisa Rose is one of the best influencer content marketers that I know. And if you need an influencer content marketer, you should absolutely call her. Uh, yeah, well, she's got my vote now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> no, she's, she's really good. Um, okay, so, so this marketing technology landscape, first off, what do you, what do you define as marketing technology? Is that kind of a dumb question or is it a reasonable question? <laughs> well, yes and no. All right. So one level is, yeah, what is marketing technology? Well, you know, that, that simple definition would be technology used for marketing. But it turns out actually where things get interesting is when you ask, well, what do you mean by marketing? And what do you mean by technology? Because, I mean, let's just take the marketing one for a moment. You know, I mean, one of the things that's happening here in the marketing profession, in the marketing industry, is this just incredible scope explosion, right? I mean, marketing used to largely, once upon a time, you know, be almost synonymous with advertising, you know, PR, the folks who put together the brochures, you know, and marketing still has all of those responsibilities as well, too. But right in this digital environment, we've added all these new things uh, associated with uh, the website, you know, uh, mobile experiences, how does how does customer experience live from the very beginning of a prospect's first touch point, all the way through, you know, ongoing customer success, loyalty programs, you know, the whole social sphere, how does that, you know, fit into that? How are we managing these social relationships, influencers, right, to uh, Shelley, right? I mean, uh, all, you know, uh, how companies go out and manage uh, the different people in their environment who uh, they develop those relationships with to help them in the social space. Uh, I mean, I, I, I could go on and on, but the, the, the scope explosion in marketing is one of the reasons there's been an explosion of marketing technologies. As you look across that landscape, and there are just so many different kinds of activities and opportunities that marketers have in a digital world that, yeah, uh, the, the explosion of tools is simply a reaction to that to help marketers deal with all of these new touch points. So the explosion of marketing technology tools reflects the reality that marketing tasks, activities have and tactics have become that much more rich and complex. And in fact, though, when you start moving into the role of data and personalization, it moves beyond pure marketing alone. And so at what point is it no longer reasonable to even call this MarTech because it's actually something different? Yeah, I mean, I've wrestled with that for a long time. And my, my solution to it is to not worry too much about the labels. Uh, I think, you know, increasingly, we all understand that to have a great brand, have a great business, 
you have to be able to deliver a really compelling customer experience. Uh, again, kind of from those very first touch points, when people are first looking for things, or first researching things, they have some sort of, you know, initial touch from you, you know, what's that first impression? And then all the way through their entire customer experience with you. You know, there's a lot of different, for, at different companies, you have different people who are trying to lead and organize that new uh, holistic view of customer experience in a digital world. But I think increasingly for a lot of companies, marketing is really at the center of that. Marketing is serving as the hub for really understanding the customer across that journey and really helping to provide um, increasingly the technologies, but even more so that operational vision of how do we execute uh, on that brand promise. So customer experience, so from your perspective, customer experience is the heart of marketing today. Is that an accurate statement? Uh, statement? I think aspirationally, absolutely. Aspirationally meaning meaning what? What does well, that mean? You know, um, it, it's very easy to say, you know, that we want to deliver an amazing customer experience across the entire buyer's journey. Uh, actually delivering that, as it turns out, is incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging. For a lot of companies, they are developing new muscles. They are developing, uh, I mean, as, as, as much changes to their own culture and internal operational philosophy to be able to live up. Uh, to customer expectations in this environment. So yeah, that's um, that's a process that again, to embrace it and say, hey, we want marketing to really be the champion of a great customer experience. That's a great place to start, but actually developing a company's capabilities to live up to that promise. For most companies, that's a multi-year journey. Don't underestimate it. <laughs> well, well, not according to the vendors that I see, the software <laughs> vendors. Well, of course, there's always a magical elixir, you know, that the hero can... <laughs> quaff to uh, instantly jump uh, and defeat the dragon. Yes, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. But, you know, you and I have talked about this a bit before that if you think of a hierarchy of, you know, uh, technology, and then the process we wrap around that technology, and then the actual people and talent we have running and designing those processes, operating that technology, you know, it's sometimes easy to have the focus go in that direction. Like we think, all right, well, we'll get the right technology and then we'll figure out the process. And oh yeah, I guess we'll need to make some people adjustments, you know, and it's sort of the, the attention focus goes down from there. But in reality, in almost every organization I've seen, the, the actual meaningful aspects of bringing this to life, it's the complete inverse, right? I mean, technology is the easiest part of this equation. I mean, you can go out, if you have a PO, if you have a credit card, you can buy the technology. You know, increasingly this stuff actually even connects together, you know, through APIs and a bunch of other fun stuff we can talk about. You know, you can, you can get these things to connect. But then it's that organizational capital you build around that, the, the process, you know, the people, the, the new talent, not just, not just the particular talents for people, but even thinking about how do you manage an organization where marketing no longer operates at that cadence of a yearly marketing plan and, you know, quarterly, you know, executions, but instead we've got this almost daily, you know, evolution of, okay, what experiments are we running on these different channels? What's happening? You know, are we suddenly getting a signal of something through, you know, social media that, you know, is an opportunity or a threat? I mean, operating at that increased cycle speed for marketing is just a very different kind of management environment. Yeah. So the cycle speed of marketing today 
if you think about personalization, about almost real-time personalization, somebody visits a website and there's analytics, so, so we're, we're tracking them on the site and we know where they've been and we have predictive analytics that will present them the right type of choices. It means that this is all happening instantaneously. A campaign is happening. There's, you know, a thousand people on your site and there are a thousand different campaigns that are running. So you talk about cycle time, that's pretty short cycle time. You know, and again, this is one of these things where you can get as granular as you want. What's kind of exciting at the moment here is the limit to that to date has largely been just our ability as humans, like how much complexity can we manage, you know, with our human brains. Um, and, and we've kind of tapped out, you know, uh, you know, the state of, you know, marketing in large organizations today, there is so much complexity to it that it's really hard to have an individual get their head around all the different moving parts. And what's kind of exciting is now that we're starting to see this generation of uh, AI, I know this is overhyped word, but this idea of basically being able to turn over to algorithms increasingly, the ability to come up with more narrow definitions of audience segments, uh, being able to personalize and dynamically experiment with individual pieces of content at a rate far beyond what we would be able to keep track of as humans, you know, letting some of that take over more uh, with these machine learning algorithms it's kind of a mixed bag like on one hand it's hopefully going to pretend to make things a little bit easier easier for us as marketers so we don't have to like manually be you know pulling all the level levers you know and dials and knobs ourselves on the other hand when we like turn over more of that experimentation that optimization to these algorithms their ability to just uh, you know uh, have essentially an order of magnitude, several orders of magnitude, more possibilities that they can computationally run through. The actual reality of marketing, what's actually happening between our brand and its interface to the world, uh, is likely to get much more complex uh, really quickly. We have an organizational question, since we were just talking about that, from Twitter. And Arsalan Khan, actually he's asking two questions. So number one, uh, are you an enterprise architect by background because you're talking about holistically solving problems. So, so are you, what's your background, Scott? <laughs> uh, I'm a software engineer by background and I have helped build enterprise systems, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not an enterprise architect today and uh, my hat's off to the people who are. Okay. And his second question is, is it better to have on your team a technical person who knows marketing or vice versa, a marketing person who knows technology. And I think it gets to the heart of how you organize market MarTech. Where does it fit? How do you organize it? What's your, what's your recommendation? And you're thinking about that, Scott. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And a lot of companies are struggling with this, uh, right? I mean, new kinds of organizations require new kinds of organizational structures. And that's always a challenge. You know, th this question of like, yeah, you know, um, a technologist who learns marketing versus a marketer who learns technology. It's a little bit like, you know, those old Reese's commercials of chocolate and my peanut butter, peanut butter and my chocolate. At some level, it doesn't matter. I mean, what matters is, okay, do you have people who are responsible for your marketing operations, for your marketing technology capabilities that really do understand both sides of that equation? You know, a lot of these marketing 
in technology leadership positions, uh, they do require uh, a non-trivial amount of technical depth, right? I mean, there, there, there is some actual architecture happening here. You know, we have to think through things around SLAs. Even if marketing is running the marketing technology team under their organization, you know, this cannot be a rogue group, right? It has to be interfacing to, you know, corporate IT. There's, uh, you know, considerable issues here around, uh, you know, just governance, you know. So have, having folks who understand that is really, really important. I think the, the one caveat I would just add to this is while I do think marketing technologists need to have, you know, some pretty good technical chops whether they came originally from a marketing background or software background, but you know, today they need to have somehow acquired those technical chops. I don't think that everyone in marketing needs those kinds of technical ch chops. Uh, the, the analogy I often use is like with graphic design, right? I mean, you know, marketing uses graphic design and there are amazing graphic designers. Hopefully your marketing team has access to one that you want to leverage. And so marketing as a whole needs to understand, hey, graphic design is an important part of what we do. We need to know wh who we're going to turn to for that resource. The rest of the organization needs to be able to leverage it, but not every marketer needs to be a brilliant graphic designer. And it's kind of the same thing with marketing technology. Every marketer needs to be comfortable with this technology being a part of their tool set, you know, and really focus on how do they use those tools to deliver compelling marketing, but they don't need to be technologists themselves. It seems like the technology component is becoming more and more important. For example, if we think about, uh, think about growth hacking, right? That's all about understanding the data and think about social media that is all about understanding the data and so so it seems to me that the technology dimension is growing by leaps and bounds whereas the strategy dimension of course is can we argue, we can argue it's it's more important because that's the head that sort of wags the tail of the dog right but there's been this shift from the importance of strategy to understanding technology and let's let's throw data in with that as well that's my perception yeah no absolutely uh, i mean again it becomes one of these things where um it's a little bit like again that uh, you know marketing versus technology chocolate versus peanut butter strategy versus technology it's you know, trying to argue over which one of those is dominant over the other, or, you know, it, at some level, it becomes a semantic argument. I mean, you know, to, to step back and simply say, hey, listen, if you want to have a great brand today, whether it's a B2B brand or a B2C brand, right, you have a set of customer expectations, you know, from your very first touch point, all the way through how they experience your product and service, all the way through that lifetime, you know, success and loyalty, you have to figure out, how to have your brand stand out in this incredibly noisy and competitive world, you know, and technology is a huge portion of that. A lot of these customer expectations are based around now, how are you going to handle technical touch points with them, digital touch points with them, just social media alone, right? How are you going to handle that? But if you don't have some sort of organizing strategy, if you don't have a larger vision in which those pieces are being orchestrated towards, yeah, it largely becomes just, you know, sound and fury signifying nothing. So how, so do you break, how do you break down the uh, marketing technology landscape? Is it based on customer lifecycle or, or something else? <sighs> That's a really interesting question. So 
It's, uh, you, know, you mentioned earlier, um, one of the things I do is I'm the program chair of uh, the MarTech conference. So this is a conference uh, we're now doing a couple times a year, a few thousand marketers, technologists come together, figure this stuff out. It's very interesting. So one of the things we have done for the past three years with MarTech is run a contest that we call the Stackies. And what we do is we invite marketers to send in a single PowerPoint slide that visually illustrates how they think of their marketing technology stack, all the different tools that you know they're using, and how they think about those pieces fitting together. And the fascinating things, and so there's all we put all these up on SlideShare for free. So if you search for Martech Stackies, I mean you can download literally now like 120 of these. But what's fascinating is when you look at these companies who really thought about their marketing technology infrastructure. It's not just like they throw a few logos on a page and say, oh, yeah, these are the six tools we use, then, you know, we're done. What they do is they really help illustrate how they think of mapping those tools to the buyer's journey, how they think about mapping that to different functional responsibilities within the marketing organization. Um, some of them, you know, with more of an enterprise architecture background actually help illustrate, okay, what's the, what's the data view of this? How does the data from these different pieces, you know, connect together? And so going through this exercise, one of the takeaways for me was there is not one right way of looking at your marketing stack. You really need to look at it through several of these different lenses. You need to look at it from a enterprise architecture view of, okay, what's the actual you know, interface, the data between these different systems? You need to look at how are we mapping this to the customer journey? You need to look at how does it map to our organization? Who are the people in charge of, you know, not the tech piece of it, but the marketing layer of what we execute on top of this? And so when you start to look at it through all these different lenses, I think that's the much better way to get a holistic view of marketing technology than just saying, oh yeah, here's, here's one formula. Just follow this formula and you're done. Well, that begs the question, uh, all of this now is so complex and so rich. And so, so how can a marketer slice and dice the pieces in order to weave together the appropriate, can we, can we say stack or collection of products and tools and processes that are right for their organization? Yeah, well, I think this is, again, for an organization of any, uh, any real size, you are looking at having a marketing operations team or a marketing technology team that takes the ownership of designing that stack, uh, selecting the vendors uh, for it, and then actually operating it and maintaining it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of strategies you can take in how you put these pieces together. You know, I think some very, very high level advice, you know, the, the main thing I would say to people is design for change. You know, I mean, there's, there's very often, you know, uh, particularly among some of the larger vendors in this space, they will sometimes propose, hey, we are going to create a suite or a marketing cloud, and we will pull together all the pieces you need into one product or one solution set, and they'll just all magically work together. And, you know, it's a very beautiful vision. And uh, they're certainly spending billions of dollars trying to create this. The truth is that just doesn't exist today. I mean, even if you buy these cloud solutions, uh, you know, from these vendors, there's still a lot of duct tape required, you know, for getting these different pieces together. And there's a lot of gaps, you know, that you then have to augment uh, with solutions from other vendors. And so even if you will say, okay, maybe someday they will get there. Maybe three years from now, these marketing clouds will be, you know, buy one product and it just does it all for you. It's wonderful. 
In fact, maybe by then the robot will just do it all for you too. And we'll be looking for a job, but all right. Um, but even if you say like, we're going to get to some sort of nirvana of marketing clouds in the next three years, that doesn't really help most marketers today, right? I mean, we've, we've got, <laughs> we've got things we've got to deliver, you know, we're on the hook to, to our boss, uh, you know, this year, this quarter, next year, you know? And so I think recognizing that we have to operate in this world where we have all these different pieces, there's still a lot of changes happening across these different pieces. We can't fully predict what we're going to need two years from now. You just have to start architecting these things in a way that allows them to adapt. And, you know, can swap out one vendor in the future and replace them with another. So the nirvana of marketing clouds is simplicity, where you have a set of products that work together across the customer lifecycle and just really actually work. Is that the nirvana? That, well, I mean, that would be the ideal vision, right? So the ideal vision is that it just works. Yeah, although, you know, it's interesting. Actually, this becomes a bit of a philosophical debate is if you imagine you had a magical marketing cloud product that you plugged it in and it just automatically did all the wonderful marketing you needed done for you. Would that be a great world for marketers? I'd actually argue it wouldn't be because one of the things that marketing, one of the missions of marketing is differentiation, right? It's like, how do you create an edge over your competitors? How do you create a better experience? How do you manage, you know, that sort of customer lifecycle process in a way that's smarter than your competitors? And if, you know, we were all just leveled down to one magical system that, you know, did all this for us, you know, in just the same consistent way across every brand, right? I mean, it would eliminate all this axis of opportunity we have to innovate, to differentiate, to stand out. Uh, and I mean, again, you go through this thought exercise and you're like, well, obviously, we're never going to get to that level of just universal marketing, you know, like a, that Apple 1984 commercial or something like that. So, I mean, it just that's not what the future is going to be looking like, at least not anytime soon. You know, it sounds like ERP in the sense that historically the ERP vendors had these big stacks of, you know, unified software. And eventually people made the argument, well, you know, we shouldn't be changing our ERP system because that's, uh, you know, we don't want to be changing accounts payable, you know, standard way. And we need to differentiate based on our, differentiate those technologies and those processes that are unique for us. And so it sounds like what you're saying is you have to be clear about which part of the marketing stack and marketing process is unique, will give you a competitive advantage and then focus your attention there. Right. I mean, you know, and again, back where we started this idea of marketing increasingly having being the champion of customer experience, you know, that is ultimately the dimension where the customer experience that defines your brand is going to be different than the customer experience, uh, you know, of your competitor. Because, and again, this isn't just about the technology. It's, you know, very much about the people and process on top of that, the culture of your organization, all these things that get embedded, you know, in the communications you do, the way, uh, you know, people interact with each other, uh, you know, inside the company, with customers, with partners. Yeah, so, I mean, just looking at it through a customer experience lens, you're like, yeah, the, the, there's just no way this that will ever be ERP. We wouldn't want it to be like ERP. So I'm still trying to figure out what to do. How do we get a handle on 
the scope of all of this. So if you're, let's, let's just take a practical example. Okay. You work in a mid-sized company or, or a large company and you want to improve customer experience and you're looking at the 5,000 companies in your marketing technology landscape, where do you begin? How do you identify that, which is going to be the right path for you? Right. No, it's a great question. So first and foremost, it, it starts with data, uh, right? It's not about big data. It's not about, you know, who can, whoever has the most data wins. It's about having good data, you know, particularly when you talk about being able to recognize a customer uh, a prospect, a customer through their entire journey and be able to serve them in a way that your previous interactions, you know, have uh, set up a set of expectations for them. So you know what they want, you know, you, you, you know the relationship with them and all of your digital touch points behave as if you do recognize who they are. And when I say digital touch points, I, it isn't just the digital touch point that the customer directly uses, like your website or your mobile app, you know, but it's also the, the digital technology that your services teams, uh, you know, when they have the call center, where in, when they're in the retail store, you know, when they're interacting with someone through social media, do those people who are connecting and serving those prospects and customers do they have easy access to the data that helps them identify and understand who that person is and how they can most quickly and efficiently help get them what they need, help make their experience better? So, I mean, focusing on understanding that data and really making sure that you're thinking through how are we going to plumb that data through all of these touch points that we have with customers? That to me is the place for a mid-sized enterprise company. If you don't get that right, Everything else you layer on top of that, you know, can be very interesting and it can be very cool. But without that, you know, core data foundation, you just end up with pieces that keep falling out of sync with each other. So it gets back to this strategy and process piece. And like everybody else, Scott, I, you know, the vendors say, I've heard this and I've seen this. The vendors say that if I buy their product, my problem is going to get solved. And you keep telling me that I need to think this through and I need to think about these touch points and I need to do a whole bunch of crap that quite frankly, I don't have the time to do because I am buying a product from a vendor and God damn it, it needs to adjust work. And so why are you hassling me? Well, I mean, the truth is actually, if you look at uh, some of the fastest growing companies in this space with the largest expanse of business happening, it's not actually the MarTech vendors. It's the, uh, it's the consultancies, it's the Accentures, it's the PWCs, it's the Deloitte's. It's in for, you know, uh, this is a more complicated subject, but the evolution of agencies, marketing agencies, you know, that used to be more focused just on the advertising side of the equation, you know, increasingly trying to figure out how do they help their brands uh, with other aspects, you know, this whole marketing technology mission. So yeah, I mean, this, you know, it's hard. This is why there's a huge market a multi-billion dollar market, you know, for services providers who can come in to the CMO and say, okay, you know, you have to do this. You know, you're not going to be able to change it internally fast enough to meet the needs of your customers or your board for this relatively large sum of money, we will come in and we will uh, help you make that transformation. Uh, you know, so, and in some cases they, they, they do, I don't want, I don't want to disparage, you know, that whole field, but I think the reason I would, I would just, I, I, I always hesitate a bit in saying, oh, well, it's that simple. Just hire the right professional services agency and you're done is that so many times here, this, this, this thing of actually creating customer experiences that people love 
isn't something that an external consultancy can impart to your organization. This is something that has to grow from within. You know, it really does have to become a part of the culture. I mean, you look at this with the digital natives who are, you know, probably the best examples of, you know, hey, really, ideally, how should these digital experiences work? You know, I mean, how does Amazon deliver its experience to its customers? You know, so they that it's the way Amazon works is so deeply embedded into their culture that I think for companies who look at digital transformation through the lens of saying, hey, listen, we've got to accelerate this. So we're going to bring in some consultants and we're going to, you know, bring in some professional services folks to, you know, help assemble the pieces for us a little bit faster so we don't have to, you know, learn all of this on the job. I think the, the caution there is, you know, that can help with a certain amount of the mechanics, but the actual transformation of the company from a cultural level, from a people level, from an organizational capital level, that has to be a mission that you're going to embrace yourself. So I feel like we have now, you know, pulled on this string of marketing technology and suddenly this the ball is completely unraveling because now what we're doing is we're talking deeply about changes in the company. When you talk about digital transformation and mindset of customer experience, you're talking about transforming the fabric, the culture of the company, which is the fabric of the company. And all of this started because you created a diagram of, you know, 5,000 marketing technology companies. Yeah, there, there, there's an order of operations here, right? Um, so my landscape, right, is a reaction, uh, you know, to, to, to what happened. My, my, my actual graphic, right? I mean, that's just some guy who had too much time on his hands, you know, looking through Google to find, uh, you know, MarTech companies, right? So that isn't the change. That isn't even really the catalyst to this. The catalyst is customer expectations are changing. You know, customers, I mean, again, this is something I'm sure a number of your guests have spoken to. I mean, just customers are in control in a way that's so radically different than even what it was like 10 years ago. And marketing technology, this is a piece of the, the puzzle. It's a piece of what companies you know, have to get right in order to be able to live up to those expectations and to execute on that. But yeah, just if you went out and you bought, you know, best in class marketing technology across the board and said, boom, we're done, you know, <laughs> marketing automation doesn't mean like, hey, marketing suddenly automatically you know, generates customers for me. Uh, so I talk with uh, vendors just like you do. And I talk with and I do video interviews with really superb marketers, companies who are having incredible results with marketing technology. And the thing that amazes me is the fluency and the skill that they have about the tools, how they go about collecting that data and advert, you know, advertising on Google AdWords and then analyzing those results in Google Analytics and then using tools to then segment and then email. But it, and it also at the same time, the really good ones are really, really strongly connecting with uh, the, the needs of their customers. And so the marketing messages that they're putting out are fundamentally accurate. And then they're using the tools to refine and slice and dice. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, that phrase, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the craftsman, not the tools. Um, you know, so on one hand, that means, right, yeah, you can't just buy the tools and expect to be able to be a master craftsman. But the flip side of that is, 
most craftsmen, they really do understand their tools very well. You know, this is not something that they take for granted. You know, it's something that they embrace, they learn, they, you know, uh, figure out through that trial and error uh, process of, you know, what works specifically for them and their particular uh, marketing experiences that they're uh, building. So, yeah, it does not at all surprise me uh, that, you know, the very best marketers in this space have a real fluency about the tools. And again, that's not about saying the tools are magical and the tools are where the action is. It's just, you know, you have to understand how you're going to leverage this stuff. At, at, a, at a real level, it can't just be a you know nice uh, vendor PowerPoint. So we only have about five or so uh, minutes left, and and I still have a whole bunch of questions to ask you. You know, it's funny these conversations go by so quickly, and I'm always left with a lot of questions still. So so very quickly then, uh, what about the suite versus standalone tool? approach. You have a bunch of companies like Sprinkler is one that just immediately comes to mind that's buying up lots of products so that they offer a suite. And yet each one of those individual products you can purchase as standalone from a, from a, a different vendor. So what about suite versus best of breed in marketing? Yeah. So for a number of years, that was the great debate. You know, will it be a suite or do you just assemble every piece from scratch? You know, so it's suite or best of breed. Uh, and I think one of the things that I've seen now in most mid-sized and enterprise companies here over the past year or so is it's not an either-or proposition. For most of them, it's, well, we buy the suite and we buy a bunch of other tools that we augment. You know, if I buy Sprinkler and I like every aspect of what it does perfectly, that's wonderful. But, you know, Sprinkler still isn't a CRM, so I'm probably still getting, you know, Salesforce. Uh, Sprinkler still isn't, you know, like uh, an actual web experience management platform. So I'm still probably buying like, you know, Adobe, you know, for that. I mean, you know, you go through the list. It's like, uh, it's, it's it's very often where you see uh, these things that are sold as suites in, in a lot of real companies. They have two or three of them, you know, that they're using each for their particular strengths. And then they're, again, also augmenting these with more specialized tools. I think that's fine. You know, I mean, this idea of tentpole solutions, things that become, you know, sort of these central hubs around which we then augment our capabilities is, is a very sane approach uh, to architecting a good marketing stack. So I don't think it's an either or decision anymore. So you buy the best, buy whatever works for you. And if it's part of a suite, you get that. And if it's not, you get that. Right. And, you know, again, earlier you were asking, you know, okay, where should you start? Um, the foundation really does have to be the data, you know, so you have to think, okay, end to end, you know, what does our view of the customer look like? What are the pieces that contribute to that? And so when we're selecting these tools that we're going to use for our CRM, for our web experience, for our social man, you know, you have to go through the actual enterprise architecture piece of understanding, okay, who's going to own the data record, you know, what's going to be that, you know, central customer identity. And then for the other pieces, how do I connect to feed into that? How do I read out of that? Um, it, it's not rocket science, but uh, yeah, it is, it is some data architecture. And uh, what's the role of the CMO in all of this? Again, this varies from company to company because, you know, companies are going through these transitions. They have a variety of different roles and titles, right? I mean, you know, you have a number of them on your show, right? I mean, chief digital officers in some case, you know, are the folks that are leading this champion, uh, championing this opportunity. In some organizations, it is actually the CIO, uh, you know, who's very deeply engaged, you know, in the customer experience side of these solutions, maybe is partnering very closely with the CMO. Uh, and then in other cases, you have a CMO who, if hopefully they're not, 
not actually the one doing the enterprise architecture themselves. They've got other things to do, you know, but it's not unusual now for them to have like a VP of marketing technology or a VP of marketing operations, you know, and having that group really take under its responsibility, its umbrella of responsibility, assembling and maintaining that marketing stack. Another uh, complicated question, but I have, to, but we're running out of time so quick. You see a lot of companies, what's really interesting coming down the pike for marketing technology? So real quick, there's the back end of marketing and the front end of marketing. Some of the most exciting things happening on the back end of marketing around uh, this category of integration platform as a service offerings, iPaaS, as it's sometimes called. So it's really making it easier for citizen integrators, which happen to be these marketing operations people a lot of time, being able to much more easily connect different systems, uh, you know, proprietary systems, commercial systems to do really exciting customer experience things across all of them. Uh, sometimes these are also uh, customer data platform systems is another interesting category there. Front end, wow. I mean, it's just, you know, every year there's there's new innovations happening, new touch points emerging. I mean, right now stuff happening with the uh, Internet of Things is becoming very real. Uh, you know, we're starting to see the inklings of, you know, AR and VR being an actual mainstream commercial technology, chatbots, uh, voice-enabled things that you're doing through, like, you know, Alexa or Google Home. I mean, these are really exciting new touch points between brands and their customers. So uh, yeah, a lot of innovation happening there in MarTech. What's the story of AI in marketing? You have about a minute. No, 30 seconds to answer that one. <laughs> you know, AI is just being embedded in everything. That's one of the reasons I don't have an AI category on that landscape is almost every computational process in marketing is finding ways to leverage machine learning and other kinds of AI uh, to be able to do things that we as humans would just have a hard time computationally managing ourselves. How much of that is hype and how much is actually useful and real? Well, there's always more hype than real, but a surprising amount of it's becoming very real very fast. You know, this is, uh, 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 what is it, Eric Prinjolson, uh, Andrew McAfee, uh, you know, they talk about that second half of the chessboard where, you know, once you start getting these exponential improvements in technology, in this case, computational capability, wow, I mean, things change quickly. And AI is becoming very, very real in a number of applications. Again, with our theme of like discussing complicated topics very fast, privacy. You're killing me, Scott. You're killing me with, you know, the whole privacy thing. What about that and personalization? Yeah, it's a really tough. There's definitely not a fast answer to that other than I think, you know, this GDPR legislation, you know, in the EU is really fascinating because, first of all, the, the chaos it's creating among all the vendors and companies whatnot there gives you a taste of just how complicated it is now to try and regulate this. But it's interesting as people start to put draconian measures in place that every website you go through makes you fill out, you know, a multi-stage form of, yes, you have permission to give me some friggin' service over the web. You know, I think you'll start to see this, this consumer level realization that th there's a trade-off here. And I think it's going to be a open debate for some time as to what should be an implicit trade-off between privacy and experience and what does the consumer really want to be able to control themselves. Is there any hope for privacy at all? Or are we just simply screwed and we should acknowledge, you know, <laughs> That's we're just the, screwed. Uh, well, the Eric Schmidt uh, <laughs> thing, uh, you have no privacy, get over it. I don't know, I'm not that much of an extreme, but I, I would say on the curve, you know, privacy is really, really hard to, we, we can't go back to the era where the world is 
not interconnected down to you know the real time you know micro data level it's just this is we're here and it's now how do we manage with those privacy challenges rather than somehow roll back the clock to a, a golden age of i don't know you know fire and stone and we do like the fact that amazon personalizes and that's a function of the data we're giving away and the more data that we give away the more our privacy is gone Yep, this would be a whole CXO talk uh, <laughs> discussion unto itself. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, no short and no uh, short magical soundbite on this one. It is a complicated issue. And we did a show with the chief privacy officer of Cisco, by the way, and it was an entire show. See. <laughs> All right. Well, we are out of time. You've been watching episode number two hundred and forty-nine of. CXO Talk, and what a fast episode it's been. We have been talking with Mr. Martech himself, Scott Brinker. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time and being here with us today. No, thanks so much for having me, Michael. Everybody, thank you for watching. We have great shows. Go to the CXOTalk.site and check it out. Be sure to like us on Facebook, please, and subscribe on YouTube while you're doing it. Thanks so much, everybody. We appreciate your watching. We appreciate your patronage. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day.